He's he like really, the worst version of Bruce Wayne ever. Yeah, he really blew it by not becoming Batman. Hello and welcome to episode two of History's Greatest Idiots, the podcast where we look back at the worst mistakes in human history and try and use them as a lesson for the future so that us, as human beings, never repeat the mistakes of the past. But who are we kidding? We do that all the time. Um, I am here back for episode two with my co-host Derek. Hello, Derek. How are you doing? Howdy. I'm doing awesome, man. Good, good. It's good to hear from you, Matt. What a first like week we had, um, although people will possibly be listening to these things uh, in sequence immediately after one another because I'll be launching them both at the same time on our launch day, which I haven't decided on yet, but we'll come to that eventually. Um, basically, last week we came up with our first two set of history's greatest idiots and we rated them and Derek you came up with the amazing Swedish king Adolf Fredericks who I would saying he ate himself to death is a bit of an overstatement because that sounds like a progressive thing he actually gorged himself one day and exploded yeah that's, that's the way that went down that is a better way of putting it uh, the, and like so it was what was it again it was like lobster Caviar, caviar, yeah, some boiled meats, turnips, all kinds of stuff, and it was like multiple uh, courses, and then like of a it. massive fucking pudding or something oh. disgusting like yeah, that. Those semlar cakes. The- oh god, I forgot about them, and they were in like warm milk with yeah. cinnamon. Oh god, what was he thinking? Semlar soup. <laughs> oh god, yeah, and it would just get so like the it would like the the bread the the actual cake itself mixture would just sink into the the milk and oh it's just disgusting and i had um seventh president sixth seventh i don't remember um president andrew jackson who is known as one of the craziest people in history who ever attained the highest office through electoral means um as we will probably discover throughout uh, the next few weeks and months um there are plenty of people who have inherited thrones um, and gone on to inherit great power who were kind of mad or deranged or really idiotic. But to be elected, despite the fact you've ploughed your way through America in terms of murdering people, that's quite a feat, really. I, I feel like it might be the American way. We do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to murder my way to the presidency, said every psychopath ever. Um, hey, it worked once. It did. It did. Well, pro- possibly more than once. We never know. You know, Taft. Taft could have been a psychopath. Could have been. You know? Very well. He could have been out there, you know, offing people left, right, and center. They go, one day I'm going to be president. Quiet now. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, it's now time for episode two. And I am, uh, we, we, uh, we should let everyone know. Again, uh, just to reiterate, we're not doing this to be mean or mean-spirited. We're doing this um, tongue-in-cheek, of course, but also to learn lessons from people throughout history who have made terrible mistakes. And for the most part, some of the... Well, the large majority of these people will have already died. So I doubt we're going to offend them. However, if they are still alive, we will preface this with some sort of catch-up of where they are now and what they've done with their lives since. So it's not to be mean-spirited, but it is to learn lessons. And um, this week, I'm fascinated to uh, learn who you have for us. So Derek, could you please describe this week's idiot, please? Absolutely. What I've got is a gentleman that some thought might be the second coming of Alexander the Great. Ooh. I think perhaps maybe he just had uh, 
good luck, and he was bad with neighbors. Okay. So, <clears throat> he came from humble beginnings as the ancestor of a slave and rose to viceroy of his very own province, serving a good chunk, uh, 1200 to 1220. Okay. He, he was one of the great dynasty makers of his time and was practically undefeated in war until, wow. until he wasn't. <laughs> which <laughs> it's always the I mean, way isn't it yeah it, it was kind of you know his idiocy that led him to that loss but uh, he did maintain a large army because uh he had supreme knowledge of his territory and he knew okay. that uh it was made up of many tribes and they absolutely detested each other so he was like oh man how am i going to keep a large army and they all hate each other i got an idea it's great We'll keep them loyal and happy by having them stay at home, garrisoned to defend the city and prepare for siege, because at the time, they were usually fighting nomads that had crap limited supplies. Okay. Well, that makes sense, then. That's that's a classic tactic throughout history. So that's that's a sensible choice on, on his part. Yeah, so he's doing good so far, but he yeah. did have an error in that tactic, because okay. his soon-to-be enemy just took large portions of land to the east of him, and mm -hmm. in doing so had immense supply trains, shiny new siege weapons, and some of the brightest siege mm. engineers in the area at the time. Okay, that's not good. Yeah, it was like the kryptonite to his Superman plans. Pretty much, yeah. And he really failed when he recognized, or when he, he really uh, screwed up when he failed to recognize that the threat could lead to a big, big loss. Right, okay. So he, he was, underestimated his opponent. Not only did he underestimate him, but he was like, uh, the moral of the story is be nice to your new neighbors because you, you might not know what they're up to. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a good point. He he thought it would be a good idea when his new neighbors sent an emissary to open trade lines. Uh, he thought it'd be cool to steal all their stuff and throw them in prison and send one back. What? Yep. Oh, well, that wasn't a good idea because no. it really, really made the enemy, who is a, a, a famous person in their own right, uh, mad. I think I know who it is. But the enemy, the, I guess, nomad siege winner, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, sent another envoy because he really wanted to open, open up trade lines. and Sensibly, yeah, wow. The idiot really stepped in it and mushed it around right into the carpet because he decided... Oh that they were spies, cut them into pieces, and sent oh, them no. back in sacks. I know who this is. Oh, God. Well, good. Maybe you can help me pronounce the name. <laughs> I'll try if the, you if you give it a go. The invader uh, that he decided to piss off was yeah. Genghis Khan. Yep. And the you don't idiot... piss off Genghis Khan. That's no. kind of the first rule of history. Absolutely. He might roll you in a carpet and have you trampled to death by horses, which is brutal as thing. hell. <laughs> yeah. I can but, think of easier ways to go. I wonder what kind of carpet, though. Do you think it was like a shag pal? Do you think it was at least warm and cozy? <laughs> it was a flying carpet at the end. <laughs> um, so the idiot in question is Shah Allah Adin Mohammed II. That's perfect. Well done. Whew. Yeah, he yeah. lost the war and his legacy by failing to play nice with his new neighbors. He was driven to the Caspian Sea, where he actually got to live out his life in exile instead of uh, 
being rolled in the blanket and kicked to death. But he That's only lasted really a couple of weeks. for the Mongols to show that kind of restraint. Especially after sending two envoys to be yeah. nice. I, I didn't know they were that nice. Like, I was shocked no, well, by that. The, there was It's the old Medellin cartel thing they do, which is um, you can either take silver or lead sort of thing. You know, you can either open your gates to us because we're the Mongols and you know what happens if you don't. Or if you try and fight, we will murder everyone in the city and enslave the rest that aren't murdered sort of thing. Which so. he absolutely did in this case, too. He murdered everybody it's somewhere around seven million uh what of, of his people were murdered whoa that's oh uh, i i mean i knew the mo the mongols were pretty ruthless throughout history and you know there's this whole thing where you can supposedly like 0.5 percent of the population of a, an entire continent can trace their lineage back to genghis khan because of his pillaging ways and stuff, but I didn't realize six million. Uh, it's I guess the numbers are debated, but somewhere around six or seven million. Um, That's crazy. Were completely just destroyed in his reattack because of not playing nice with the neighbors. Insane, absolutely insane. Like, and and Genghis Khan had a reputation at this point. Now I understand, like you know, global communication was definitely not really a thing at this point, but he'd already had quite the level, the rise through, like, you know, the Mongol state, the establishment of that, and then, like, the Qing dynasty, was it, in China, or, or something like that, where he had demolished through various aspects of that dynasty, and then just marched westwards. So the idea that you would be like, oh, who's this bloke? It's like, everyone knew who the Mongols were. Yeah, well, and, and they he, knew what they he did. really tore up to the east of them just before, so you, you, he should have saw it coming. That's why I'm thinking that, that he's an idiot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like... I think, again, a, a part of that will be you make the debate that eventually power goes to everyone's head, doesn't it? And, like, I'm a king. I have an army. I've ruled over these subjects for so long. I've kept everybody in line. I'm fine. They're just another bunch of people that want to take my throne. But, no, these people have crushed everything in front of them for thousands of miles. Yeah, and so... he, he did it with 100,000 soldiers, is oh. what he took out all of uh, wow. Mohammed II's people with. So 100,000 Mongols takes out 7 million, 5 million. E either way, it's a big-ass number of dead people. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's quite the killing spree. It certainly makes um, uh, President Andrew Jackson seem like more tame when he was doing his dueling across America. Um, wow, 6, 7 million people, that's... I mean, obviously it was so long ago, you know, we're talking, what, like eight, 900 years ago or something like that. So it's difficult to gauge with time, but that's that's a huge sum of like just massive amounts of humanity just gone. Right. You know? Well, and you, you figure the the population had to be kind of lower back then too. Exactly. The so world that's population. Like huge. Uh yeah, that's like he's wiped out a percentage point or possibly double figure percentage point of the entire world's population. Because this dude didn't want to play nice. So yeah, I would say that's pretty high on the idiot scale. Yeah, um, I, I had to step up my game this time. <laughs> After Andrew Jackson. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned that we are going to get to a point where we up our games too much. But actually, I think it's more about like the interesting story than the actual like um, level of impact of the idiocy. I think so. That's like that's something we'll take into consideration. So, are you ready for a score? For this person now, I am. I'm. I'm interested to see where I I got with this with this work. I mean, this is high. 
You know, we can't underestimate this guy's idiocy because I mean, when we look, because uh, we did kid King Fredericks, uh, Adolf Fredericks of Sweden, who uh, his act of idiocy was eating himself to death. And as a result, his son inherited the throne and did away with the freedoms of press and, you know, rolled back some of the constitutional changes and entered them into a war they couldn't possibly win. So it's like his level of idiocy was kind of relatively minor. I mean, no one no one who eats themselves to death can really be that brilliant. But, like, it's the knock-on effects afterwards that really yeah. kind of caused that. Whereas Andrew Jackson was consistently idiotic throughout his entire life. So it's Idiotic, like it was one asshole, whichever way yeah, you want to Yeah, just an asshole, <laughs> crazy. Um, and his idiocy was, you know, wiping out vast swathes of the Native American population, dueling, killing like possibly 50 to 100 people in duels, and creating the circumstances for possibly the worst financial disaster in American history. So that's like, that's quite a high bar, really. Oh, yeah. But when you're talking about a mistake that is really out of not just idiocy, but real stubbornness that leads to the death of six or seven million people, potentially. That's big. Because that's talk- you're talking about generational issues of like repopulating the area and density issues and, and like gene things. So I have to give this guy a, a relatively high score. I think I have to go... Hmm. I think I'm going to go 84 all right this one yeah it has to be high when you because as a king and i mean we'll get to kings and queens not to discriminate but mostly kings because of history and all that um kings have to realize and be aware of the potential impact of their actions and this guy clearly wasn't thinking at all no. So, 84 out of 100 for making a mistake so stubborn and so stupid that I guarantee all of his advisors will have advised against it. But to do the same thing twice and then to not recognise that the Mongols were so dangerous, that's definitely an 84, I think, all right. for me. All right. Well I, done. I appreciate that. That was yep. an amazing, amazing recounting of history. Uh, well done. I kind of... I was, I, I was thinking who it might be, and then you mentioned the emissaries um coming in and then being chopped to pieces i was like ah this is going to be about the mongols isn't it because they have this whole thing about um the guest the rights of the guest they're sacred to the mongols so if someone invites you into their yurt and wants to sit down and parlay with you and compromise or whatever it might be you treat them as you know as if they are royalty doesn't matter right. who they are so well, as bad of a rap as they get they were yeah really like socially ahead of the game oh yeah the mongols were quite revolutionary in their time you know certainly in some because genghis khan ran a meritocracy he hated the idea of people inheriting positions of power based on who their dad or their mum was he was like are you good at this great you can do that ahead of this idiot whose dad's famous you know so that's perfect <laughs> that's completely revolutionary so a meritocracy is and it, it, he wasn't the first in history to do it, but he's certainly one of the most effective in terms of administra- administration and stuff like that. Um, that part of the Mongols is really revolutionary. However, there's a trail of blood behind Genghis Khan that is as vast as his empire was. So, oh, yeah. well, blood and another uh, bodily liquid that, yeah, <laughs> and the other one that helped him kind of sire Repopulate. enough children. 
just everywhere he went. And yet he only had one wife, which, or did he have one wife? Did he have two? I can't remember. Anyway, he ploughed through people, either killing them or having sex with them. So anyway, so um, the person, I'm going to have to ask you to say the name again because I can't remember it. It was Shah Allah Adin Mohammed II of... Uh, Quite a long name. Gets an 84. (laughs) So well done. You are officially now leading the league table of the greatest idiots throughout history. Well done. The man. See if I can hold on to this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So now to counteract that amazing story and that amazing moment from history, I'd like to present to you my candidate. And it's someone that um now, the, the guy we just spoke about, it's he's more famous for being the idiot that pissed off Genghis Khan and, like, famous for that. This person is famous in his own right because he has been established in popular culture really from the time he reigned until modern day in various different folk tales which have been adapted into books, songs, plays, films, everything. And his... Um, he's been played by Alan Rickman. Oh, no, wait. Alan Rickman played someone else. Okay. Oh. Ah. Um, <laughs> he, he, um, he has been established in popular culture as one of history's greatest idiots and one of its worst rulers, certainly one of the worst rulers in English history. So I'm Ooh. going to England this time now, not, not America. Um, up on I'm your own to, con- country area. Uh, yeah, well, I'm actually Welsh, and there's not oh. enough famous Welsh people for me to find an idiot yet, but I will find one. You know, there's uh, plenty you of them out there. one or two laying around. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so the person I am uh, identifying is King John the First of England. Uh-huh. John was born on Christmas Eve, 1166, exactly 100 years after the Normans had invaded England and conquered it you know, during William the Conqueror's great conquest, and they had been established in power for a hundred years. His father, John's father, Henry II of England, had inherited significant territories around the French Atlantic coastline, um, Anjou, Normandy, and, you know, obviously he ruled England, Wales, Scotland, and bits of Ireland. Um, he expanded his empire by conquering Brittany. So he was doing quite well, Henry II, John's dad. Uh, but John's powerful mother, Eleanor of Aquitaine, who's also quite famous in historic circles, had a tenuous claim to Toulouse in southern France, and she was also the former wife of Louis VII of France. So he's got quite a lineage there. You know, he's he's come into a family that have got an empire. His his mother is extremely powerful. He's related to French nob- nobility. Some um, solid so French beaches open for him. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, so <laughs> pretty decent start in life, you you would say. Um, the territories of Henry and Eleanor formed the Angevin. Empire, um, named after Henry's title as the Count of Anjou, which I think is like it could be like a horror film from the fifties. Um, the Empire, <laughs> however, <laughs> was incredibly fragile. Although the lands owed allegiance to Henry, the various parts each had their own histories and traditions and structures of governance. And to be honest, they didn't give two shits about Henry or his empire. They're just like, sure, yeah, you're our king. We're just going to go back to (laughs) plowing these fields now. I'm Um, down here in the muck. 
Yeah, I'm in the muck. Oh, look at look at the king. I can tell he's a king. He's not covered in shit. Um, the M, uh, so in the southern parts of his territory, um, which were Anjou and Aquitaine, where Eleanor was from, the extent of Henry's power in these provinces was basically non-existent. So it was less of an empire and more of a guy who had a really nice house and like a decent holiday apartment on the boring side of France. But when like people ask him about it, they're like, "Oh, have you got two homes?" Like, "Yeah, I've got two homes. I've got a hol- I've got a summer house in so and so." But it's like it's like a two room apartment, like you know, where, where it's like a timeshare. I, I like, picture him. He's showing him on the map that he's drawn in with crayon. This is my empire right here. This is my empire. It's like, yeah, sure, buddy. I've been there. They don't think much of you. Um, <laughs> Anyway, shortly after his birth, John was passed from Eleanor into the care of a wet nurse, which was a traditional practice for rich and lazy medieval noble families at the time. They're just like, I can't be bothered with this child. We'll employ someone to deal with it. Um, still happens to this day, actually. Yeah, but, uh, rich and lazy you know. people now. Yeah. That's what I happens mean, now. that's rude. The, no wonder there's so many insane rich people walking around. They're all raised by wet nurses instead of their parents. Um, Eleanor, um, after handing her son off to the wet nurse, then left for Poitiers, the capital of Aquitaine, and sent John and his sister Joan north to an abbey. So uh, this may have been done with the aim of steering John, who had no like direct obvious inheritance claim because like his dad had remarried and stuff. Uh, towards uh, he that she wanted to steer him towards a future career as like a monk, or a priest, or huh. like, I don't know, like a fire juggler or something. Basically, <laughs> anything that didn't involve ruling or being near her or his dad, really. Ah. So great mother. Um, uh, Eleanor spent the next few years conspiring, uh, conspiring against and constantly fucking up Henry's life as much as any human has done before or since. And neither parent played a part in John's very early life. So that's kind of like his childhood. So he's quite young, never sees his parents because one's off doing king shit. And um, Eleanor's like, I do not want this child. Send him to the abbey. So, sorry about the stereotypical French accent. I hope that doesn't upset anyone. Um, uh, So, John was probably, like his brothers, assigned um, a magister whilst he was at the Abbey. And a magister is kind of a combination of a personal teacher and a butler and a personal assistant. It's it's kind of like Alfred to Batman sort of thing. Yeah, okay. I need one of Which was kind of cool. Who wouldn't want their own Alfred? Um, And John was eventually taught by... Someone called Ranulf, uh, sorry, let me try that again, Ranulf de Glanville, um, a leading English administrator at the time. I have no idea who that guy is, but apparently he's a notable historic figure, so I should probably mention him. Good um, yeah, good for you, Ranulf. Um, as he grew up to be a mountainous man at five foot five inches tall. Holy. Um, yeah. And 13 stone. Let's say 13 stone. Let me put that into context for you. Like 195 pounds. Ooh, he was round. Yeah, he was a barrel. Basically, a big smack of Lord Farquhar off this dude. Um, <laughs> John was known to be an avid reader uh, and book collector. He was one of the first people um, in English noble history, at least, to have actively collected books and started his own miniature library, which is kind of cool. Like that as a leader, good. you want someone who's literate and who's studied. Like that's Indeed. that's a good thing. Otherwise and hopefully, just... Alf. 
Sorry, go make on. stuff up. I said otherwise they might just make stuff up. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but also on top of that, so he he came with a few vices as he grew up as well. So he was a gambling addict, um, which kind of counteracts the whole. I've got a library, but no money because I've gambled it. Um, he also collected um, ridiculous amounts of jewels. So he was a bit a bit like a magpie. He just had a thing for <laughs> shiny objects. Um, he killed as many wild animals as he could find. Uh, I should stress that that was in a hunting setting, you know, not not just for kicks. Just sort of running around? Just like, yeah, it was just like, oh, I'm bored. Where's that stray cat? You know. Okay, I was going to say, I heard that... Uh... <laughs> That's a sign of serial killers these days. It is, it is. But, you know, you can get away with that by saying, oh, I'm I'm hunting. It's like, are you really? Are you just killing animals? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> he was royal. They hunted and killed anything they could, but he really killed stuff. He was like, I really love this hunting stuff. Give me more blood. Um, and uh, what was this? Uh, I've written something here. And had one of... Oh, sorry, wrong page and had a fondness this is the weirdest one of all he had a real fondness for terrible wine like not not like cheap wine you're like oh this cheap wine tastes as good as the really expensive stuff it's like no it has to be really shit for him to enjoy it oh Which, man like like uh what was that uh in Shit's creek where they had them weird yeah. mixed fruit wines <laughs> yeah Oh god, it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, wine, even for royals back in the time, it wouldn't have been amazing because you got the whole transporting process, and a lot of it was made in like lead pots, which is why so many Roman emperors were insane because they were basically drinking lead water. Um, but gives it that punch. Uh, yeah, it gives it that real kick of insanity. Um, but this this made me think that maybe King John as incompetent as Id- and idiotic as he was, might have been the first hipster. Because he's like, oh, I like this. It's so shit. Yeah. Is, it, is oh, that what it was? It was amazing. ironic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really love this wine. Why? It tastes like piss. That's why I like it. Um, <laughs> so now, without... Uh, we, we can't talk about King John of England without talking about his much more famous and um, almost as idiotic but in a different way brother richard so when john's brother richard the lionheart became uh-huh. king uh, in september 1189 he had already declared his intention of joining the third crusade which was actually the really successful one but you know they got increasingly bad from there uh, so he basically turned around and said yay i'm king let's go and kill some foreigners see ya um <laughs> That was Richard's approach to I'm king. Shall I set, shall I sort out the kingdom? Shall I improve things? No, I'm just going to go and murder things. That's um, a plan. It's 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 a plan as old as time, apparently, for British royalty. <laughs> um, he set about uh, raising the huge sums of money required for this expedition through the sale of lands and titles and appointments, and attempted to ensure that he would not face a revolt by basically not being there. It's like you know you can't get me if I'm not here. So that was his plan. But all of these people became newly enfranchised barons. And, you know, they may have been loyal to him and um, they may have worked very hard to get to these positions. They may have been a nobility from other places that John, that um, Richard knew. So he's created this entirely new class of people that are indebted to him because he's made them much more powerful. Um, John for his part, was made Count of Mortain. I have no idea 
where that is. Yeah. Count of Mortain was forced to marry the wealthy Isabella of Gloucester. Uh, Hope she likes shit wine. And... (laughs) and was given valuable lands in Lancaster and also given the counties of Cornwall, Derby, Devon, Dorset, Nottingham, and Somerset. Oh. So Nottingham, you know, King John, you've got the Sheriff of Nottingham, Robin Hood. That's where all that comes from because he was, you know, one of his bases was in Nottingham. And, you know, that was where he spent a lot of his time. Um, this was all done with the aim of buying the loyalty of John whilst Richard was off on his incredibly violent holiday, basically, which is what the Crusades were. This whole thing about taking back Christendom, it's like, ah, we just get to kill people and the Pope will like us. So, you know, that's that's what that was about. <laughs> Richard, for his part, actually, before he left, he he set up a few things so that he could kind of have a bit of security while he was gone. So Richard appointed his four-year-old nephew as his successor. What? So little Arthur oh. playing with his Pokemon cards Four? is uh, like just walks in, plonks a crown on him, and then just buggers off. Um, <laughs> he t- he told his brother John to stay out of England for three years because he was like three years and get to the the Holy Land, do a bit of you know conquering, come back home, everything's fine. He appointed Bishop Hugh de Puisset and William de Mandeville as joint administrators of his empire, and also appointed William Longchamp, uh, awesome name, another bishop as his Chancellor of the Exchequer. Or just his Chancellor, I don't think they had an Exchequer at the time. Um, So he's set up his administration, he's bribed his weird, alcoholic, gambling-addicted brother, Um, he's dumped a massive crown on this four-year-old nephew and just left. So he's even though he's off in, you know, a different part of the world, he's kind of done enough you would think, to make the country stay afloat for the next three, possibly four years. Um, so you'd think everything would work out great, right? Safe well, going off, leaving them with some pizza money, he'll be right yeah, back. Yeah, you know, like you kids enjoy yourselves, you know? Don't go mad, have whatever you want in the fridge. Um, you know, that this is the Netflix password, you know, just go mad. <laughs> um, but things didn't quite work out. Uh, as he'd planned, because within days of him leaving, William de Manderford, who was one of the two people he appointed to uh, run the Empire, died. Like, Oops. Yeah. Not, pick someone younger, you know, someone in decent shape. You're right, William. <laughs> well, like yeah, four. I'll look after things for you. Uh, the resulting <laughs> attempts by the remaining two bishops to run his empire were pretty much useless. So Richard and John's mum, Eleanor of Aquitaine, convinced Richard to let his gambling alcoholic brother return to England and just sort of keep an eye on things. So like the lingering presence, like I'm I'm my brother's friend, I'm going to keep an eye on you sort of thing. It's like, it's kind of yeah. weird, but Eleanor, she was kind of a wild card. She did whatever she wanted and she thought this was the right thing to do. So who are Seems we to legit. argue? It sounds fine, doesn't it? Um, Only that didn't go as well as he'd planned because Longchamp and Poisset, they continued to be really bad at their jobs and became so unpopular with the English nobility and clergy, who were basically the only people that mattered at the time, that John exploited this opportunity to set himself up up as an alternative ruler 
and he kind of portrayed himself as this competent outsider who, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm here. Don't worry, guys. I've got this if anything goes wrong. And if you really like it, I can be your king. Let's make my brother's empire great again. That sort of thing. <laughs> so he it's was like middle management. Like, yeah, he's like, you know, don't worry, I got this, I got this. These these jokers are fine, if they mess up, I'll step in. Anyway, armed conflict broke out between John and Longchamp almost immediately. Um, and by October 1191, Longchamp um, had lost, and he was rotting away in the Tower of London, which, if you've ever been on a tour of that place, you don't want to go there. It's 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 got a lot of lovely rooks and ravens, but other than that, it's it's pretty horrible. So um, Richard heard about this while he was out, you know, killing foreigners, doing his thing. Um, And he sent one of his mates, uh, Walter of Coutances, I think I'm saying that right, um, who was actually his dad's advisor. Sorry, what that? (laughs) Saying it better than I would have. Walter of Coutances. I don't know what a Coutance is, but apparently they have a Walter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He returned from the Crusade. Um, he must have been really angry that he had to put a halt on the murdering route, yeah. routine holiday things. Like, God, I've got to come back from holiday early because of this arsehole. Um, he returned from the crusade to put John in his place, and he also freed the useless but apparently like lovable Longchamp from the tower. Um, John wasn't happy about this, so he sought out an alliance with King Philip II of France, um, an idea that pissed everyone off, including his mother. So he decided to give up on that plan for now, but he was like, Philip, look, I've got a lot of hate from trying to like buddy up with you, but don't worry, we'll just we'll get back to that. Um, Longchamp, eventually, after he was released, he'd left, he came back to England, started rabble-rousing, but John um, suppressed him with the help of other nobles by saying, look, this guy's really annoying, shut him up for me, and I promise I won't try and undermine my brother any more pinky swear sort, sort of thing. Wink. Yeah, and uh, he had his fingers crossed behind his back and <laughs> he was, like, giggling the whole time and his mates were like, these fucking people believe him. Um, so as soon as Longchamp was out of the picture, John spread a rumour that his brother had died in the Crusades. Um, he hadn't, but he had been held ransom, uh, captured, captured and was being held uh, to ransom by the Holy Roman Empire, who was supposed to be on the side of the Crusaders, but he was like, ah, fuck it. You know, I'm going to take this guy. <laughs> what the hell? That that whole, eh, fuck it, that comes into play a lot in Crusades in the future, which might be something for a, a future episode, to be honest. Um, he, um, John, after he kind of convinced enough people of this, immediately ran off to France to sign a treaty of alliance with King Philip of France. Um, he, yeah, as part of this treaty, he agreed to ditch his current wife, and marry Philip's sister, Alice, um, and like form an alliance as a result of that. But when Eleanor of Aquitaine, his mother, heard about this, she told him to stop being a naughty boy, and yet again he was like, oh, Mum! Fuck's sake! I'm 25! Can't I do my own thing now? Um, so he backed down. This didn't stop uh, nobles that, that who were loyal to his brother rebelling against him um, and basically owning him because he was, you know, kind of useless. Uh, when Richard finally did come back from the Crusades after, you know, being released, 
um, he fought John and his useless army and chased them out of England uh, back to a tiny castle in Normandy. And when Richard found his now 27-year-old brother, let me just stress that part, he was 27 at this point, he declared that his brother was but a child who has had evil counsellors. So... Huh. Yeah, so this 27-year-old is actually a child, and like, oh, he's been led astray by wrong people. That's that's all he that is. He was the first hipster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, um, he relied on everyone else around him to take the heat. Um, and basically, you know, Richard was like, rustled his hair, gave him a wedgie, <laughs> and, like, and turned to him and went, oh, run along now, you scamp, sort of thing. It's <laughs> like... Yeah, you're fine. And John's going, eh, thanks, brother. I'm going to fucking get you. Um, so somehow, despite being pretty bad at this whole like ruling thing and trying to usurp his brother at every possible opportunity, John was still alive and actually in a really good position. Um, so when Richard finally died, John was left battling it out with his slight, now slightly more grown-up nephew, Arthur, for the throne. Arthur was no longer four. I think he was like maybe six. Something, All right. something really mature like that. Um, Take on the other kid. Yeah, it's like I can beat this child. I'm a, <laughs> a slightly older, twenty-seven-year-old child. Um, so after fighting the most defensive war in history against this lit- literal child, John won thanks to him sitting in impenetrable castles for months at a time and bribing Arthur's allies with money instead of you know whatever Arthur was paying them. I'm assuming Legos. To switch sides, <laughs> yeah. How are you going to get paid by a six-year-old? You know what? Candy. What's that going to involve? Candy, basically. Yeah. Here's some chocolates. Like, dude, I need money. I've got, I've got people I need to pay. Um, despite Arthur having support of the French king, um, uh, the the previously in on John's side, uh, Philip, uh, the Pope intervened, and both sides uh, signed yet another treaty. Uh, John was declared the rightful king of England and all the other bits of France that his dad had had. Um, he got everything his brother had owned, like all of his castles, all of his like money, all of his like cool shit from the Crusades and stuff. Um, probably various out. bits of the True Cross. You know, all that cool stuff that you go on holiday, you come back with a sombrero. You, you know, you, you pass <laughs> you that down that. through the generations, don't you? Yeah, so. here's my sombrero and my castle. Oh. <laughs> my loot that I've stolen from people millions of miles away. So yeah, um, on, uh, and so as part of the agreement, um, he gave up some of his holdings in France to King Philip, so that Philip could strengthen his position. And Arthur was allowed to have an extra half an hour of iPad time before bed, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, John was now the King of England. And uh, and some random bits of France, and his peaceful reign lasted a glorious two years before he fucked it up by trying to remarry. Um, he tried to remarry a really hot lady who he'd had his eyes on for a while, called Isabella de Ango. I'm not going to be able to say this right. Another Isabella to start with, but this is a different Isabella, a more kind of foreign, interesting Isabella who's younger than his actual wife, considerably Isabella. younger, depending on which reports you say. So he's Isabella Part Du. Yeah, Isabella the Second, who is younger and hotter than Isabella the First, and he's trading one Isabella in for a younger, hotter version. He's basically every forty-five-year-old man who's like ended up having an affair with their secretary. Um, yeah. And Makes uh, sense. he he really likes 
this Isabella and her sexy, curvaceous, strategically important land holdings that would have made his empire much stronger. Um, the only thing is, he couldn't do that without papal consent, and his wife, who he kind of fucked with for a very long time, was kind of tired of this. That, coupled with the fact that Isabella was promised to another nobleman, uh, you got kind of a mess on your hands. So instead of sitting down and negotiating a way for everyone to win and like talking to the Pope and maybe getting some marriage counselling, John continued to ignore his wife, continued to chase after his crush, and uh, literally destroyed her boyfriend. So, um, yeah, he kind of wasn't a very good negotiator. This pissed King Philip of France off because it all happened in his backyard. You know, all this intrigue is happening on his doorstep. So he summoned John to appear in his court and explain himself because he, he was like, well, you gave up your lands to me. I let you keep like this title, but you are accountable to me. And, you know, I want you to show up and answer for your, you know, this whole ridiculous mess you got into. I have to ask you, Derek, what do you think uh, John's response was? Uh, I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pretty much. Um, Although I like to think it is him promptly grabbing his crotch and saying, I've got your court summoned right here, buddy. Um, And he refused to show up. Basically, um, because of the laws at the time, you know, once you were summoned by your, like, more senior king or whatever it was, and you, you refused to do that, it enabled the king to legally seize all of his assets. But obviously, John was like, no, you're not having them. I'm also a king. And uh, so Philip was like, no, I will. I'm going to take them off you, and I'm going to give them to this child that you keep on putting down called Arthur. So, you know, (laughs) another war broke out between them. Uh, uh, Now that he was at war again, uh, I I have to ask you another question, Derek. What do you think John's tactics were? Um, well, he's not very good at war, so no. he, uh, he, he tried to, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did he just try to use his crayons to draw the areas he took over on the map? That may have been one of his plans. Um, okay. he sat in his castle and did nothing. In he'd go from castle to castle, and he's like, "My walls are so high, nobody shall cross them." Sir, so they have siege towers. What are those? Um, <laughs> he he somehow won a few battles, and amazingly, despite his general incompetence, managed to capture Arthur and his crew of like child warriors. You know, like the the lost boys or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> and in, in, now he's got the heir apparent that Philip favours in his captor, you know, he's captured him, so you think he would ransom Arthur or use him as a bargaining chip of some sort so that he can, like, give me this land, I will give you the kid back, we'll end this war, no one else has to die, but this is John, and he's kind of a fucking idiot, so instead he was like, I'm just going to kill the child and piss off more people. So that's exactly what he did. He killed Arthur... He donated his Legos to a local charity shop. I don't know what happened, but yeah, he killed the kid. So he was pretty ruthless. Yeah, harsh as hell. 
Um, as a result of his stupidity, he lost more support, uh, more people turned to Philip's side, and Philip basically um, pummeled him into the ground and kicked him out of France entirely by March of the following year, which was 1204. Although he got to keep his nice little holiday apartment in Aquitaine, but that's mostly because it was in his mum's name. So, <laughs> And then Ellen is like, look, you can kick my son out, but this is mine. And he will eventually inherit it. And it's like, okay, well, you keep your two-bedroom apartment on the coast. That's fine. Um, Taking away his crayons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've taken... So his kingdom's shrunk significantly at this point. Uh, meanwhile, back in England, where he's also supposed to be king of, despite, you know, swanning around France doing all sorts of stupid things, um, John had been taxing the absolute shit out of the English nobility to fund his, like, pathetic little war in France that he was never going to win, uh, to the point where if a nobleman sort of sneezed, he was either fined for doing so or taxed because, you know, who doesn't enjoy a good sneeze? Um, yeah. He also taxed Jewish people into poverty because he felt like it, not because, like, they were in positions where you know, they, they had influence over institutions or they were part of his court or anything like that. The majority of uh, Jewish people in England at the time were living very precarious lives and John taxed them into the ground uh, because he was an anti-Semite. There's no two ways about it. Um, he caused an inflation crisis by seizing and hoarding more silver than like a werewolf hunter and did <laughs> nothing to help people when various famines hit the country. So he was just like, oh, that's someone else's problem. I'm still eating goose. I'm fine. Um, there's also the Seems problem... Seems like of, that might, might get people upset. It's, it's getting to the point where it's like, well, we don't have any money. We don't have any food. He's not helping us. Um, he's kind of killed kids. He gambles a lot. He drinks really shit wine. Like, who drinks shit wine? And he's constantly fighting these wars in different countries. Like, why is he even our king? Then we get to the really stupid part. Uh, oh. There's also the problem of him being a lecherous idiot. Now, this is where it gets to a whole other level of stupidity. You know, like kings throughout history, they always have, like, harems of people. They have mistresses. They have courtiers, whatever it might be. You know, they have a bunch of people that they have on the side to have sex with. And that's like throughout history until very recently that's what royal families did and not just royals like people of influence and power they'd have their mistresses and their people on the side and all of that stuff anyway that's kind of that was the accepted thing everyone did that at the time but instead of having like one or two mistresses john had dozens and the majority oh. of them were already married to other noblemen oh man yeah so he's taxed oh. them He's taken all their food, he's taken all their silver, and now he's kind of fucking their wives, you know? Yeah, that's um, that guy's a dick. No one gets to... They're all like, no one gets to fuck my wife. I am allowed to have as many mistresses as they I want, but the king cannot have sex with my wife, so... No, <laughs> I'm not doing it, he can't do it. Exactly. Um, he treat, Also, he treated his second wife even worse than his first and almost drove her estate into bankruptcy because he was really, really tight with his money to the point of being like, you don't need more than two dresses, you know, just like pull that curtain down, make something out of that. <laughs> wow. It's good material. Now he's on top of all of it. Yeah, it gets worse. It keeps getting worse with this guy. Uh, possibly the most unpopular thing he did uh, was that he didn't give a crap about religion and he was openly uh, contemptuous of like the whole religious institution thing, which, you know, if he wasn't the king, 
and he behaved in that fashion, he would almost certainly have um, been exiled or possibly worse at the time because religion was the world. It was the reason people went to war. It was the reason people well, did what they had to do in life. His was brother a big was off crusading for religion at the time. <laughs> exactly. Previously. And his brother was incredibly popular even after he died. And the whole religious element of Richard the Lionheart was part of his mystique. Could You, you could have stopped at the having sex with your friends' wives, but now you're doing that. Um, and basically, in 1205, he got into an argument with the Pope because um, Pope Innocent III, uh, you know, very Pope name that, um, he appointed someone that John didn't like to the position of Archbishop of Canterbury, which is the most senior religious figure in England. And we know that John doesn't give a shit about that. So John was like, I don't like this guy and I don't give a shit about religion. So I'm going to seize all of this guy's lands. I'm going to stop him from entering England. And he even stole some of the Pope's possessions in England. So that's not a good idea. Um, the Pope for his part, actually tried to um, calmly explain to John that this wasn't a good idea, but John was having none of it. So the Pope decided to retaliate by instructing all the clergy in England to not hold any religious ceremonies except for baptisms, confession, and absolution for the dying. So no Sunday service, no festivals, no religious anything. Um, and again... You've got to remember that the nobles are like kind of very influential and powerful at this point. They would not have liked the fact that they couldn't go to church on Sunday and hang out with their mates. So he'd pissed off all the noblemen. He'd been sleeping with their wives. He'd messed with the Pope. He'd lost various wars. Um, he became so unpopular that um, despite making somewhat of amends with the Pope, he had alienated enough people to cause a little uprising this time with these barons that Richard had appointed before he'd gone off to the crusade. Now, John tried to calm things down for possibly the first time in his entire life. He was like, okay, relax, I understand, I will sign a piece of paper for you. And this piece of paper was called the Magna Carta. There now, you go. There you go. Now, the Magna Carta, for those of you who may not know and... Hopefully we have a lot of history buffs here, so you all are probably very aware of the Magna Carta. It's one of the most important legal documents in history because it gave more power to the nobles, it protected religious rights, it reformed the law, it reformed the taxing system, and basically implied that if any king behaved like John, he would, basically everyone would rise up against him. It was the most clear warning anyone in history has ever had written down on a piece of paper like if you fuck with us this is what will happen that's legit yeah it is like john you are a disaster this is your final warning stop fucking up and get on with being a king just just a little side note um i've actually seen a copy of the magna carta um there's only four left in the world, because originally there were like 20 or 25 copies made of the thing. Um, there's only four left in existence. I think one of them is over in America, and um, one of them is in uh, the Houses of Parliament in the UK, I think. And I think there's like two or three that do the rounds in the UK. One of them is called the Lincoln copy or something like that. For, for It resides in Lincoln Cathedral. And I saw it when it was in St. Albans Cathedral in like this hermetically sealed environment with controlled lighting and controlled temperatures and stuff and behind a barricade. That'd be so cool. Yeah. 
I was allowed to get within three or four inches of the Magna Carta to look at this thing, to read it. And I can read it, even though it's old English. Um, it is the most incredible thing. The artistry that goes into these documents, like calligraphy and lettering, to actually make something that looks this beautiful, but is basically nothing but text. It's a real, like, feat. You know, you think about any internal document, you're like, oh, God, do I really have to read this? This thing was immaculate, it was beautiful, and it is clear when you read it that if the king fucks around with his subjects, he is going to die. So guess what John did? Well, let's see. Um, (laughs) He got his crayons out and he started fucking with people again. He started fucking with people and some crayons. Yeah, he did. Uh, John ignored the document completely, went back to his old ways. He even got the Pope to say, no, you can't tell the king what to do. And they're like, dude, he's fucked with you. Why are you on his side now? Um, so he went back to his old ways. He started a war with the barons that had been enfranchised by Richard before he died. And, of course, he lost. Badly. Uh. Yeah. Because that's his thing. He loses wars. Um, during this war, John contracted dysentery, which, you know, given how shit he'd been as a ruler, was kind of the height of irony. And uh, he eventually died <laughs> crapping his brains out in Newark Castle in Nottinghamshire in mid-October... 1216 and here ends the story of king john the first of england who was raised in an odd way still raised as a royal but kind of you know he was put in a slightly impossible position by his brother swanning off to war and stuff but he did everything in his power to be as big of a fuck up as there could ever possibly have been so I have to ask you, because we've I've actually spoken for quite a while now. I do apologise for going over our usual time. Um, what do you make of King John the First of England? And did you like his Disney representation when he was a lion? <laughs> well, I, man, see this one's this one's so much better, I think, than uh, the Andrew Jackson because yeah. he's like inept more than an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like, I mean, with Andrew Jackson, like you've got to question his his like he might have been actually insane. Yeah. But with John, it's just like he's just really bad. Yeah, he's he he likes bad wine. He yeah. takes away his friends' free time and their their wives. Uh, <laughs> oh, he, he taxes he, them into poverty. Ta- and then the the war where he took over land by going to a castle and sitting in it and then taking and just staying there. Yeah. 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 That's an idiot way. (laughs) That's just like holidaying in a different house from time to time and calling it war. Yeah. I'd see. You know what? I might be a king right now and at war, taking over stuff, moving from rental to rental, just saying this neighborhood's mine now. I'm in charge. I don't know. Me too. I am am currently a king. I have invaded this house for the measly sum of a few hundred thousand pounds. And I, uh, I look forward to taking over more kingdoms. In time, when my mortgage is paid off. Yep, take over, expand the nice empire. Four bedroom with the, place. With there you go, and, <laughs> and you can expand your empire. You know, with your timeshare that you purchase a little later on. Oh and, yeah, no, that timeshare that's going to really help my empire expand beyond the borders. You know, yeah. like that timeshare in Aquitaine. Man, I can't wait to take my wife for two weeks in Aquitaine. Where the fuck is Aquitaine? Um, I don't know, but it sounds cool. It does, doesn't it? It sounds very romantic, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, so that was John the First of England. I would like to know now how you score King John the First of England out of a possible hundred, given in mind that we are now in the same episode 
as the guy who pissed off Genghis Khan despite knowing that he was dealing with Genghis Khan. Yeah, see, I think I think I I've got to go higher and go this this is an 87. If mine was 84, this Ooh. is an 87. Wow. Because he just continuously was just bad, like on purpose or on accident, I'm not sure, but that's that's pure idiotness. Yeah. It's kind of like it's it's different because like obviously the other king that we talked about earlier made a, a terrible mistake and it cost the lives of millions, literally millions of people. But it's kind of like he did one or two mistakes which are terrible and, you know, awful. John's entire life was a fuck up. Oh yeah. Pretty much. Just again and again and again. He was a prolific idiot. You know? Yeah. This might be my favourite one so far. <laughs> King John the First, everyone's favourite idiot. Um, it's just the colossal mistakes he makes, and like some of the, not even mistakes, like because like you were saying, like some of these may have been deliberate, but like the choices to sleep with your mates' wives, but not like one, literally dozens, just yeah. because you're the king. Like he knows that kings get murdered, right? He's read books, he has a library. Does he know what happened to Julius Caesar? You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's the question. He had the books. He had the exactly. library. He had did the he knowledge. Read? He'd been trained. But he did had he? Alfred, the butler, oh, yeah, when yeah. he was younger, training uh, him up, and he still didn't learn anything. He's he like really, the worst version of Bruce Wayne ever. Yeah, he really blew it by not becoming Batman. Pretty much. Just, like, if you become Batman in medieval England, like, oh, there's nice. a fair chance that you can do that. You know, you've got all this money and power and influence. That will be fine. If you don't do anything else with your reign, what do we know about John? Oh, he was secretly Batman. Okay, well, that's kind of weird. At least he didn't, like, fuck his friends' wives and steal money from people and lose war after war and murder children. It's like... God, this yeah. guy was so bad. So, wow, yeah. did you say 87? Yeah, I probably should give it higher, but 87's where I'm No, 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 I'm, I'm happy with 87. <laughs> I really am. Um, so that means that King John I of England is the new leader um, in our table, our standings of idiocy throughout history. Second place, we have your candidate from this week who was, uh, sorry, I'm going to have to ask you one more time to we'll say this guy's name. Mohammed II. Mohammed II. We'll go with Mohammed II. That sounds much easier to remember. Um, and then in third place now, we have President Andrew Jackson, who dueled his way across America uh, on 75 points. And in a fourth place stop, we've got Adolf Fredericks, the Swedish king who enacted numerous brilliant liberal reforms and then ate himself to death. So, you know, quite the rogues gallery of morons so far. Yeah. Um, next time we will try and push the bar even further but I might try a different tact we've done presidents, we've done kings I might see if there is a more relatable idiot out there an idiot who has all of the opportunities that everyday normal people might have and um, still manages to make a pig's ear of it all I'm happy to do that Derek, thank you so much for your time is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, man, I'm looking forward to it I had fun this time. <laughs> I really did. I'm really enjoying doing this podcast. And um, thank you so much for all the work you've do you're doing. And um, hopefully uh, I will be able to put these up and we will continue to produce them. Um, they will be um, probably fortnightly going forwards for our viewers. I will put up specific dates so that they will know when they're being released. And I just wanted to thank you all 
for tuning into this uh, this podcast. Welcome to History's Greatest Idiots. There will be a lot more where this came from. And just remember that um, it's okay to make mistakes in life. It's all right to mess up as long as you learn from your mistakes and improve and build your life in a better way so that you don't make them again, then you are better than King John I of England who fucked up his entire life on a daily basis and the guy who pissed off Genghis Khan by chopping up his emissaries. So until next time, Thank you all very much. I've been Lev, Derek. Peace. <laughs> and we will see you all in episode three. Take care. See ya. Now.